Welcome to Source Not Found, a show about the worst versions of your favorite things. Every other week, we explore an IP, franchise, or fandom by way of its sequels, spin-offs, and side projects. Basically anything but the source material. I'm Brandon June, and I am a sick, masochistic lion. And I'm Bo Woodall, and I am Team Carlisle for life. <laughs> oh, I didn't pick my team. I'm supposed to have a t-shirt, right? I'm, uh, I'm Team Carlisle in the streets, and Team Alice in the sheets. Oh, I'm a Team Alice. Dude. Alice is legit. I want to be a team Alice. Yeah. Actually, I, I wanted to bring that, like, yeah, best character in the book, right? Without, without question. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad we're on the same wavelength. Oh, shit. Maybe only character in the book. <laughs> 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 so we're doing Twilight, Midnight Sun, the novel. So it's a reimagining of the first Twilight novel written from Edward's perspective. Yeah, there are, there are four of these bad boys, and this is just the reimagining through Edward's eyes of one of them. If you can believe that. You could be mistaken for thinking maybe it's the whole series because this book, what was it? 600 and... 650 some odd pages. 662, maybe? It should be 666 because this book is the devil. Yeah, what was she doing? She was right there. 658. Stephanie Meyer, it, you had it. it. It was right in front of you. And we know that she has the... She is perfectly capable of just padding something out a little bit, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so uh, happy, happy November, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we had a high last week. We're we're back down to where we usually live. <laughs> yeah, we found we found the dredges the again, guys. Don't worry, we don't have to worry about a second episode where we're just doing nothing but giving praise to something. I mean, I did. I had more. I found more to praise in this book than I expected. I expected maybe nothing i expected maybe like a blood rain situation so that was actually Not going to me that was actually going to be my question so we talked about blood rain we talked about castlevania both of these both of those things i had no experience with so brandon what's your experience with twilight uh we talked about it a bit last time i still can't really place what was going on but it was in the background of some it was on somebody's tv somewhere once and i remember like you know taking a squat down on the couch for like 10 minutes or so and like watching a bit of it sure so i remember like a couple scenes i remember the baseball reading through this book i was like yeah this is kind of lining up with like some things that i saw like in my peripherals but the whole james thing was that in the movie yeah it was it was like the car chases going to phoenix and all that that's in the movie so no because you follow bella in the movie you oh, you right. don't see where Edward she doesn't goes. get a car chase. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no like you hear about it a little bit like in passing later on. Oh, so I guess before I get into that, my experience with Twilight is I have seen yeah, all of the right. movies several times. <laughs> they are it, it's not oh, so so you know how like a lot of people have guilty pleasures where they shouldn't feel guilty about them. Like Roadhouse is a lot of a lot of people's like guilty pleasure movie. Because it's, you know, Swayze at his cheesiest and it's about, you know, fucking bouncers and it's just weird. I know what you mean. Uh, someone tried to convince me once my love of the Carpenters and ABBA is a guilty pleasure. I refuse to no, feel see, guilty about those that. are things that you should not feel guilty about. I don't. My, my interest in <laughs> Twilight, I yeah. feel guilty about. 
because uh, it's yeah okay i got i got you it's like watching a series of like b minus horror movies but these are not b minus movies these are made to be like triple a films they were made to be harry potter killers were they though was that was that Meyer's intention? So did she see no, no, herself no, as no. like My, pinning... Meyer's a, a like Meyer's intention was basically to create this kind of, I mean, a, a love story for the celibate. Like she had, uh, like okay, she's she had some religious stuff. Uh, I I believe I I I don't do a, that makes a lot of sense. I know she's Mormon. So, yeah. Um, I don't know a lot about that. Makes a lot of sense. I don't know a lot about that, that religion. So I can't speak to that. All I do know is I have seen all of those movies. I watch them at least once a year because they are absolute garbage in the most fun way. If you walk into them knowing that they're bad and that you're just watching something brainless that you can make fun of as you watch, like Mystery Science Theater 3000 style, they're, they're a pretty good time. And it helps knowing that Robert Pattinson in filming them also knows that they're garbage. Like there were interviews of them being like, so how do you feel like your character of Edward is portrayed? And he goes, oh, I just act somewhere between confused and constipated at all times. <laughs> I mean, you can tell from what he went on to do after that, like working with Cronenberg and then like, yeah, oh, man, it's just phenomenal Batman. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. He wanted to be doing other stuff, but. It, yeah. And he's he's also kind of like a little bit of a media troll anyway. Like I saw, I saw mm. an interview. I think he was on like Oprah, and it was him and Kristen Stewart. And they're like, "So we heard that there was a little bit of a romance on the set. How do you guys respond to that?" And Robert Pattinson just goes, "Oh, Kristen's pregnant." <laughs> and she goes, "He just likes to say things to see people's reactions. Sometimes I don't know why he finds it amusing." And I'm like, "That is that is some next level. Just I don't care bullshit behavior." Mm. Um, but we're not talking about the movies today. We're not talking about, although I, I got to say, reading this entire book, the whole time Edward was Robert Pattinson. Yeah. But funny enough, Bella was not, is it Kristen Stewart? It is Kristen, Kristen Stewart. Right? Yeah. Bella was not Kristen Stewart. Um, I just kind of replaced her with. With a not. A, I don't know. It was kind of. I'm not a normal girl. She was just sort of like a, I don't even know, like a vague sort of amalgamation of ideas because I couldn't really, because you have like her descriptions, but you also have like the very frequent um, conception of her as like conveyed through Edward's internal monologue, which he's got this idea about, I think just like femininity in general. I mean, it's very like of his era. He just feels like every woman is like, capable of perishing by just like a, an ill-timed stroll along the promenade. You know what I mean? Like right. And just... it, it doesn't help that through the entire, <laughs> through the course of the entire book, she is seen as being ridiculously clumsy and he is constantly calling her fragile and breakable. Yeah. And right. yeah, that's the thing. It, it, mm. So she was sort of like, I don't know, like a brought to life porcelain doll with like a big bushy sort of unkempt mop of hair sure because we see her like hiding within it a lot um but very pretty almost like to the point of deification in fact he, she is just basically deified throughout the book but she wasn't initially 
I think that, I just mean I in, think in that's terms a, of Edward's like right. I think that's a st- praise I, of her. I think that may be a Stephanie Meyer thing. Like initially, when Edward first sees her, he even says like he doesn't see her as being beautiful. Like she's not. Um, she's not. She's asymmetrical a little bit, and she has you know normal brown hair, and she's wearing clothes that cover up like her body shape and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's just when he falls in love with her, she's the most beautiful creature on the face of the planet. Yeah. Like I, well, I've, and that happens soon enough. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a, a, like a she's all that sort of thing. But in this case, Edward takes off his vampire glasses, and suddenly yeah. Bella is the most beautiful Belle uh, at the ball. <laughs> nice. Thanks, that was garbage. So we're meandering because this book is hard to... I mean, li- listeners, you remember when we did Mortal Kombat, the novelization, we focused on almost every chapter because there was something in every chapter. And sometimes it was just self-flagellation, but yeah, there was usually something Sure, there. but even that self-flagellation, <laughs> that was a like 300-word chapter, and even then we, we found something to talk about. That is not the case mm. with this tome, this 658-page fucking monster of a book. Um, yeah, so I read this on a, on a Kindle. And it was very deceptive because I didn't really know what I was getting into. I didn't look at the, the page count. And, you know, Kindle gives you like those kind of weird wonky like percentage numbers and sure, like yeah. location, you know, 750 out of 1,080 or whatever it is. So like, I don't really know what we're looking at in terms of pages, but I just found myself like, I don't know, a couple chapters in like, wait, I'm still at 3%? Yeah. I'm only at 7%? Just like. We are just wading through fucking molasses here. Like, what? When does this start going? Like, and it doesn't help. Is it really going to be this long? It doesn't help. The chapters are all like twenty-five pages long. Yeah, the whole thing is. It makes Melville look like a Goosebumps book. Like, it's it's just. (laughs) And Melville always has something to convey, even if it's just like, oh, this chapter is just like. Um, our characters stumbled in upon a sermon in town before they're like setting out on the ship. Like, well, there's something happening there. He's got some sort of idea about the human condition to impart. But really, this book, like, I want to say it's about, I mean, if we're being generous, like the hike through the woods, when they like really sort of, um, they finally start to communicate their love to one another. Like they, they state it outright and there's a lot of that's a like really, physi- really interesting touching. way of putting how that how that goes. But I, I guess that guess it's accurate. <laughs> they don't communicate I, like, mu- like they communicate through fucking twenty questions in this entire book. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. I just mean like if you take that as sort of an event within a plot, we could say generously like halfway through the book, finally things start to happen. But really, for me, like it's from kind of baseball on to the end that we have any events transpire so really the last third of the book at best is the only portion that contains much of anything to talk about in fact when i was thinking through the plot because um you know what would be like the synopsis of this i was gonna i was gonna ask you like every other time we've done something in the past it's mostly been a bow not found source not bow yeah but in this case i have expertise so I was going to ask you, what is your rundown of this book? Give, give me a Brandon synopsis. I, I am not going to interrupt. I don't want to like go into delving deeper into certain points. Just give me your, your little synopsis for the listeners at home because I am salivating. 
to hear exactly what you got from this book. You ever just go to the theater and you're just sitting there during the previews and you, you see a trailer and it's like, is that just the whole movie that they just told me? They basically told me everything that's going to happen in the, a minute and 10 seconds. And yeah, there's like nothing else to it. Um, <laughs> that's this. Like I wrote it out and I was like, we basically have like a movie trailer length synopsis here and that covers everything. Like the movie trailer for this book would tell you the entire thing. In a world where vampires sparkle. Yeah, that's, that's how I looked at it, and so that's what I've got for you. Let's do a little uh, movie trailer style synopsis of Midnight Sun. So excited. Edward Cullen is a down-on-his-luck senior citizen pianist who has to go back through high school. It's hard enough juggling classwork and not sparkling in public, but when the clumsiest girl in the world moves into the science lab seat next door, things get even wackier. Being telepathic and keeping track of every single classmate's high school drama is time-consuming enough, but now he has to moonlight as a peeping Tom and watch Bella sleep every night? Good thing vampires don't need sleep themselves, or human blood, apparently. Keep those dogs leashed and those cats indoors, folks, because this family of vegetarians has a taste for animal blood, and who knows what's going to happen once they run out of bears and mountain lions. We've got baseball, car chases, and about 300 pages devoted to descriptions of touching. Be warned, Bella gets kidnapped for about five minutes, and there are a couple of chapters there where this tale runs the risk of almost getting exciting. But don't worry, Stephanie Meyer has you back to brooding internal monologues and prom dances in no time. Coming August 4th, 2020, it's Twilight, Midnight Sun, rated PG-13, for moderate violence and complete absence of sex. Because yeah, this book gets you all revved up with the most sensual finger-on-wrist action you've ever read, but then doesn't even let them bone down. <laughs> I have one note. You did leave out the fact that she smells delicious. Yeah, I mean, you got to leave something for the right, something for the screen. To, to actually, yeah, you got to have that. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, that was stellar. Um, and that's, I mean, that's everything. That's, about, that's yeah. uh, that is everything. <laughs> we got making eyes at each other, going to school, listening to a lot of conversations from peripheral characters. None of which matter. Going for a hike, playing baseball, and then, yeah, like, a couple of chapters there where, oh, we've got, like, a chase sequence as, like, these sort of antagonistic vampires, really just James, but, like, these three strangers come into town. I really thought there was going to be a really cool fight scene in the book. I was very excited. Well, it was. N no, there wasn't. It was, like, three sentences long. Wait, it just it happened in the other room, and we didn't get to see yeah. what went down. <laughs> yeah, it was like they drug him to another room, and then they come back later, and he's dead. Spoilers. Um, this this is just blue balls. The novel. Just this like, is nothing but. You got me all horned up. No sex. You got me all ready for a battle. I don't even get to. We don't even get to see what happens to James. We're just told about it. Like fuck this, man. So <laughs> before I'm gonna need a cold shower after this one. I did want to <laughs> ask you about something because I asked I asked my wife about this in regards to Edward. Is there the opposite of an incel? Because he is aggressively, actively celibate and will not stop talking about it by choice. Like, as opposed to the whole, like, girls just don't like me. I'm, you know, in incel, involuntarily celibate. But in this case, he's like hypercell. I imagine uh, it's what a young Ben Shapiro was like. <laughs> just dry. You know, political. I, just, <laughs> I imagine, like,. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost half our audience. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. 
It's like one of those, like someone who chooses to do the promise ring thing, right? I don't know. I Maybe. Maybe. It's just, there's this weird self-hatred. But even when he meets a vampire who does want to bone down with him, he's still just like, eh. Like, I, I think... I think Edward is clinically depressed. I mean, that we have an entire sequence with him and a vampire in Denali, Tanya, who is basically mm-hmm. straight up saying, "Come home with me. Let's get yeah. let's get let's get weird." And the entire time he's like, "I'm I know she's beautiful. I can see that she is beautiful and I know she like he gives all of these positives about her and then it just basically ends with, "But I'm not interested." I mean, I get, like, a certain degree of, like, seasonal depression, right? If I don't get enough sunlight, you know? So, I get it. You, you think he doesn't have enough vitamin D, so he has, he has constant seasonal depression? He has no vitamin D, so he's not slinging that D. He's not slinging and vitamin no D. D to be sl- yeah. He is not willing to give <laughs> Bella vitamin D. Yeah. I, okay, so let, let's, uh, we've meandered quite a bit. Yeah, so let's really get into it um, page by page. So the cover, what does the pomegranate represent? Um, oh, he, he mentions it four times in the goddamn book, Brandon. <laughs> All right, well, how about the interstate, like the, on the title page, we have the two pristine white unpainted classical statues in an embrace looking longingly at one another. What do you think they represent? Hang on, I have to look at my book. I thought it represented uh, wanting to get it on with a vampire, but they're unpainted. Because there's no fucking real actual passion. Everything is b- fucking black and white and gray in this book. There's no vibrancy. Everything is cold. <laughs> this is the opposite of the stained glass metaphor you made last episode. <sighs> okay, so I think we should talk about this book in two separate sections and just leave it at that. I think we should talk about it pre- pre-plot. Pre-plot. Yeah, plot. That's effectively <laughs> what it is. Pre-plot and plot. I I like it. So the way this book works, basically, I mean, if you didn't have Edward's, like, internal monologue, it'd be a real quick read. Like, I want to say, like, 100 pages or so. Oh, yeah. It'd be a a novella, I think. Yeah. The first, just everything up to, like, the full-blown vampiric reveal when he, like, goes full sparkle. Sure. Is just, like, the day-to-day high school experience and, like, the pining after a girl. And, like, a couple, like, small events. I mean, I guess, like, saving her from a, an out-of-control careening van coming through the parking lot. Like, that's something. We start off with, like, an event. But aside from that, it's making eyes at one another. It's, and because of his telepathy, it's a lot of not only his internal monologue, but creeping in on every peripheral conversation. And then also getting his siblings' telepathy. And then Alice's sort of... Precognition. Um, yeah, precognition on top of that. I think I, I think this is where it really fucked it really fucked with me, her writing style for honestly, well, the first half of the book and even moving into further than that, Edward is not telling the story when it comes to his relationship with Bella. The story is being told through the eyes of other people in italics <laughs> because he is reading their thoughts of what she is going through. He is not a romantic interest. He is the worst sociopathic stalker that has ever existed. It's bad, right? It's real bad. At one point when he's like outside her window watching her sleep, he even compares himself, I think, to Mike. It's like, oh, if Mike were here, he'd be doing the peeping Tom thing. He'd be like trying to catch a glimpse of her boobs. And I'm like, I mean, that's, I don't want to like put these in 
in uh, comparison with one another. They're both unforgivable offenses into someone's private life. But like, dude, you are literally telepathically just digging through her brain trying well, to... Well, no, he can't do that. He's trying to. He is trying to, but he can't do that. He's outside her window watching her sleep and doing his best to sneak in to her actual mind and try and pull out anything he can. He can't seem to read her, but God knows he's trying. And he's like listening to everybody around her to sort of like get it like the ricochet of her thoughts. I, I am going to say one is worse than the other because before this, he has contemplated how to murder children and adults just to drink her blood because she smells so good. That's a really haunting section, actually, of the book. I mean, it's really, it's really fucked up. Like, I, like, that yeah. is, that is an area of the book that I was like, this character, honestly, like, I, I can't find a positive quality for this character. It's, it's that scene when, like, he is in class and he gets, like, the full force of her fragrance. Right. He's like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to just tear into her right now and I'm going to have to kill everyone in this room and then we're going to have to, like, get out of town. And it's, it's not on. just, I'm going to have to do this. It's here is how I can do this. Right. And that's what I mean. Like as a teacher, like I don't really, it's not a thing anymore. I'm being in Japan, but like in the U S it's just, it's something we all are aware of. Right. Like I had to run uh, active shooter drills in yeah. my classroom, you know, and it's something I th- I've thought about. And it's like, here's a, You have this scene of him like casing the joint, like, okay, like they're going to make for those exits. So I got to make sure I'm over there. And it's like, this is. Like, I just couldn't not think about that, like, with all the just awful school shootings and things we've had. Because it's, like, written that way. It's written like someone who's just about to commit mass violence in a school, and they're like, all right, I'm going to barricade this. I'm going to, like, corral these people over there and, like, make sure they're dead. And then I'm going to move on to the teachers over here. I'm like, oh, it's, it's nasty. It's, it's really, really gross. Like... You know, we, we've talked about certain things in movies or, or books or even video games that made us feel kind of icky. Mm-hmm. This was a scene that I walked away from like, this could not have been written recently. But it was only released a couple of years ago. I know she was writing it for a long time and like put it on hiatus. But yeah, it, it's it's a recent release. Right? It's, it's been years. around for 15 years. It's been like in the process for 18 years, I think, is how long Stephanie Meyer has been working on Midnight Sun. It is such a weird thing to see a book written and released recently and one of the showcases about the main character you're supposed to feel sympathy toward is casing a classroom and planning on mass murder. I, I had to put the book down. Like, I, I put the book down and walked away for a full day because I was like, this is, this is not cool. <laughs> like. I don't like this at all. Yeah, that was my experience for the first. I mean, it didn't ever really go away, but it's just like really prominent early on because I didn't really know. Like, you always have this with like vampires, right? They're ageless, but um, they are frozen at a certain age. Right. He's frozen at 17, right? But he has lived beyond that. I mean, he is like, he's lived 70 years beyond that. 106. Okay. I. I may or may not have looked it up. Yeah, I was trying to remember, because he references like 70 years from a certain event. I was like, what is his actual age? Whatever the case. He, he was turned during the Spanish flu. Yeah, right. That's true. So these are high school students, underage students. Mm-hmm. And you can't 
get away from that. And I appreciate that Meyer, like, she is willing to go there because, like, it is, like, the sort of elephant in the room. So, like, these things, like, he's a violent creature. I guess explore that. But, like, that's the thing. You just, it's gross. It's, it's unavoidable. Just, like, given the makeup of, like, yeah, this, this senior citizen and then this high school girl. And, like, he might look 17, but, like, he's lived this century. Like, that's, isn't that what age is? Like, having life experiences that rack up and looking at the world through the eyes of an older person, like, and just having younger people with, like, less experience, less world experience. Like, that's the real thing, more so than, like, how you look physically. And that's what's so gross about it. And it comes out often, just, like, the way he looks at her, condescends to her, condescends to the other classmates, looks at them like they're children. Even at the sort of final scene at prom, when Jacob comes in, and he says, like, oh, that child there. And she kind of, Bella looks at him kind of annoyed and says, he's not that much younger than me. I'm like, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you are also a child. So this is something that I wanted to ask you about. Edward, through this entire book, speaks like an old man. Yes. He thinks like an old man. Yes. Every other Cullen, Emmett, Rosalie, Alice, Jasper, Carlisle, and Esme, they all speak like modern people. Do you think that Edward's lack of, I don't want to say significant other, but maybe like his lack of social socialization with someone else, mm. like his lack of a best friend or his lack of a significant other or something like that has kept him back because like he is the only one that doesn't seem to be modern with his exception of his Lincoln Park CD. That he and he and Bella both share it. They both love Lincoln His Park. Angry music. They both like Lincoln Park and Claire de Lune. Because Ella's not Bella's not like other girls. Um, those are the two pillars of my musical foundation as well, right? Yeah, I, those are the pillars of everyone's musical <laughs> foundation. And, and Debussy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Carlisle has a sense of like old worldliness to him. To but Carlisle degree. also also has a sense of like compassion and wisdom and. Again, I am Team Carlisle and Alice forever. He's played by mm-hmm. Peter Fascinelli mm-hmm. in the movies, and it's great. But even in this, like his thoughts always remain on helping the things that should be to everyone else, his food. He has a level, I mean, his, okay, I will, I will ask you this because it's a, it's a pretty good Twilight question. Did you notice that they all have special powers? Yes. Every vampire, all of them have like a different special power. Yeah, eventually. I mean, really, it wasn't until we get some like background and like exploration of those characters way later in the book. And yeah. up until then, really, it was like Alice is the, the one with precognition. Mm-hmm. And then it's just sort of this amorphous Cullen blob where like, I don't, I don't know. It's just sort of they all mass together. I couldn't really get a sense of who was what. Did, did you end up, did you end up? getting all of their powers because it actually like it it kind of informs i i hate to give stephanie meyer any credit in this and i can't really because she doesn't she doesn't do enough of it like seeing through edward's eyes one of the big things that he should be talking about is the difference in vampires instead he talks more about the fact that they are all damned they're all Mm-hmm. creatures of of instinct and 
cravings and thirst? Well, let's see. So Alice, like we said, precognition. Yep. Um, Jasper has the one to like sort of modify or change how things are perceived around him. He, right? he controls uh, ambient emotion. There we go. That's the way to put it. Um, Emmett is just fucking strong, ready for, for battle. He's, he's strong as he's like the strongest vampire to ever exist. And, uh, Rosalie's hot. Yep. Rosalie <laughs> is perfectly beautiful. No, does she have a power? I can't that remember. Is, now. That's it. Like <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> her, her special vampire power is the fact that she is the most beautiful creature to ever have walked the earth. Not as hot as Bella, apparently. Oh, poor Rosalie. Um, mm. Did you get the rest? Uh, wait. Oh, Esme and Carlisle, you mean? And even James, Victoria, and you already know Edwards. Oh, shit. Well, James is a tracker. Yep. A tracker and hunter. <sighs> Carlisle, I mean, he's a great, he's just good at everything he does, right? He had, like, he just has, like, um, such a sense of compassion. Yeah, that's exactly that what it? it is. Yeah, it's yeah, absolute, okay. it's absolute garbage, but. His may seem like something similar to like a sort of emotional intelligence or something, right? Love. Okay. She has like a, a deep, unnatural ability to find reasons to love. Got it. And that's the reason Carlisle's a doctor is because he has this like heightened ability for empathy and compassion. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Victoria is my favorite. She has hyperactive survival instinct. Oh, okay. She can perceive threats like all over like it's almost a precognition but only for her personal safety i don't know how i didn't pick that up from the three pages in which she existed i mean she's in and out of there real quick right they basically just talk about her like she's she's jonesing for a cigarette she's just like super jittery and and ready to move i mean with the other two like they show up at the baseball scene and then like you hear about what they're doing by way of others for the rest of it but they don't show back up again other than laurent coming to the cullens and saying like hey um here's the deal with james i'm out of here good good luck i had to ask my wife kaylin apparently laurent's the only vampire in the entire book that doesn't have a superpower that's like noticeable how did she know that we we googled it <laughs> how do they know that does he come back in later books yeah or is it just like is it one of those things like Meyer has like made available additional lore for fans like on a well there's like there's also another book that maybe we should do next November. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a gender swapped Twilight. No. <laughs> but but Bella's name in the gender swap is Bo. Oh. I never want to read it. I never want to read it. I will never read it. What is what is Edward? Uh I don't know. Edwina? Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. You know, I mean, to just dig it back a minute, you because you raise an interesting question. Why is <laughs> Edward? Why are you like this? Really? Because it no, it is a good question because there's no way to explain it. Because you say he doesn't have a significant other, and that's true. But it's not like he's isolated. He is in constant companionship with this large family and privy to all of their internal thoughts. And he's at school and he's socialized, not even with the people around him, but he picks up on all of their conversations. And still, when you have him listening in on a conversation, say to like Mike, and he'll like, you'll get their dialogue for a minute, and then it'll like go back to Edward's internal monologue, and he'll like fill in the gaps, and it'll be like, it'll be Mike sounding like a teenager, and then it'll trail off, and then Edward will fill in like, and a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I'm like, what? What teenager in the early aughts is using that? 
Yeah. Uh, using that phrase to describe like the the girl at school that they want to take to the dance. I don't know. I mean, it's like a, it is a a familiar phrase, but like I don't think any of us would think that way other than you. So it again, I've I've never read the books. I just have experience through the films. I I have to wonder if the first book written through Bella's eyes is written as stilted as this book is. It's a mystery that will never be solved. Because I'll I, never read it. I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Uh, source not found pod at gmail.com. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. We, come, we won't come find us. out otherwise. <laughs> I, I like the movies because I like, like the, the cast is stacked. But I have to wonder, is it written this way on purpose? And the problem is, is that purpose makes no sense to me. Like, there's no reasoning for why Edward... It's, it's isolation versus inundation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or is he isolated through his inundation? Like, does he feel disconnected because no one else can understand him, but he can an- understand everyone? That could be a very, very compelling character trait if it was ever fucking discussed. It reminded me, there's this great uh, Korean, South Korean film Spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring. It's like a Buddhist film. It's, it's about being a monk and being like completely isolated and growing up in this little monastery in this enclosure in the woods. And he, the character, the monk character, becomes a, a man and he spent his life meditating and like sort of dealing with the full spectrum of human emotion, he would think, right? Sure. And like really pondering like the deep questions of life. And then like a woman comes by. And he is so overtaken by passion and like, um, like this sort of carnal physical need to like have sex with her. And then just like from then on, he's just obsessed with her. I guess it was the idea of dealing with like the big philosophical questions of life to such a degree, but then missing like the small stuff along the way. Right. And it, it reminded me of Edward in that moment because you've got this adult man that is very mature and very well read, you know, very artistic. Mature? Well, what I mean is, like, yeah, I think so. Just like his, the way he looks at, the way he condescends and just looks at everyone around him like they're just fucking sheep. You know, it's like, I'm thinking about bigger questions. I'm composing on my piano at home. I'm reading the classical works of literature. I'm thinking about these things, but then suddenly this childlike, unbridled desire bursts out of me that I've never dealt with. Like, that is the part of him that's frozen at 17. The rest of him is a senior citizen. Right. There's this one unexplored area of himself. So it reminded me of that monk, like, oh, you could deal with the great questions in life and spend all this time trying to reach enlightenment and still have this unexplored part of yourself that is so childlike when it comes out of you, because it's the first time it's there. That's a very, very interesting way of looking at it. So... In, in, my, in my day job, I am surrounded by absolutely brilliant doctors, scientists, researchers, physicians, whatever. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, on occasion, you run into someone who is so absolutely brilliant in their field, but have no knowledge of what goes on outside of it. Right. Like, I can tell you, I can basically tell you point by point, word for word, how to take apart and put back together a human body but if you ask me to cc you on an email i have no idea what that means or like 
I can't tell you who the president is right now, or I don't mm-hmm. listen to popular music, or I haven't seen a movie in a theater in years. Like, I am so involved in the things that I am not just proficient, but brilliant at, that everything else doesn't really exist. And so, like, is, right. is that how we have to perceive Edward? Like, he, he's, only, he's only proficient in, in his, his own little, like, weird vegetarian piano playing, I like reading. I'm, he also has that, two yeah. medical degrees, but he doesn't know how to recognize a fucking concussion. <laughs> right. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. It, it, no, I mean, that might be it, right? It's, I mean, that's why it's the whole cliche of, like, you know, the computer geek, right? Right. You know, people that are smarter than we could ever hope to be. But like, oh, but you never dicked around just like drinking beers that someone's older brother. I was going to say, when the, when was the know, last time you went to a bar yet. and talked to someone that you did not know? Right. Just like hanging around, just being a teenager, just dicking around in like the woods or something. Right. You just didn't do any of that. So you didn't get a certain part of the human experience. See, the thing is, there's like two different potential stories here. That could each be better explored to be something. And one is the deep character study of this very flawed, monstrous creature that wrestles with his inner monstrosity. Sure. And it's not a character that, like, the more you explore it, you realize, like, there's no really redeeming what he is. Because even though he's reformed on these certain metrics, like, he's not actively hunting humans anymore, just the very basis of what we talked about, like, his um, relationship with Bella. There's no getting around what it is. Well, I mean, they, they even they make the comparison to a heroin addict, I think, at one point. Or just addiction in general, which... Which uh, apparently that's, a, that's a, a line that works on her. And we got the Jerry Maguire scene, like, oh, you had me at heroin. Yeah, I guess. There's that, but then there's also like, oh, but you also want to have this like romantic teen drama story with like... We want to, we're supposed to believe that Edward is like a superhero almost. And like, we, we deal with all that bad stuff to like give him depth. But then on the other side of it, we're expected to just be like, we're expected to fawn over him like Bella does. Like, oh, here comes my knight in shining armor again. It's like trying to take Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and put him in mm-hmm. the movie She's All That. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, Clueless or some like the dichotomy does not work there. And I think, yeah. I think that that really hurts it. Not that you could do much to save it, but okay. So we we've we've done a poor job of explaining the pre the pre plot stuff. But that's what it is. It's just this very. It's so weird because the way their relationship works, like some time does elapse in like the early stages, but once they really start like making eyes at each other. They basically speed run the relationship. Someone cut the brake lines of love right there. Yeah. It's, it's real weird. But it's such a slog to get there because it is so bogged down in, again, his internal monologues. They're just endless. And he just talk about beating the dead horse. There's nothing left of this horse. It's just there is, muck in the ground. I was going to say, there's one horse you left. The rest is just glue. <laughs> it's glue. It's how many times do we have to explore that idea of like, yes, he is a monster and he's sort of repulsed by his own cold, dead hands. And, oh, he's got this, he bites back the venom. Like one scene of that is enough, but no, we've got it endlessly. I would say every, every, five, to, every five to seven pages. 
Yes, everything is filtered through his internal struggle. And the problem is, is we get it. There's mm. we get it. Okay, so before we get into plot, everything we've talked about happens in the first pre-plot portion of the book leading up to them mm-hmm. actually falling in love. I'm going to hit the five very brief plot points that people would recognize if they've read the other books or seen the movie or read this book. We've got first day with Bella arriving. She smells really good. And Mm -hmm. he has to hold back from murdering everyone. There's the van accident that he stops and he doesn't recognize the fact that Bella may or may not have a concussion, despite the fact that he has two medical degrees and has worked with his father, who is a an established physician. What the fuck? Yeah. Then Bella goes to another town with her friends and he has to stop her from being assaulted. And then they have dinner together and then they both kind of say we like each other. Right? Yeah. You just reminded me of how many times like when you stack it up like that, like he's just the whole damsel thing, like just constantly like here's a van out of control. Let me jump in there and stop it. Here's just a pack of no goods out on the prowl one night let me go and like sweep her up into my arms and get her out of there like here's another here's a tracker vampire just like how many times can you save a girl so in a single story so i i would like to to read something real fast i know you're normally the reader of the two of us um but i i highlighted a quote here that just encapsulates this entire pre-plot struggle yeah in in edward's mind my life was an unending, unchanging midnight. It must, by necessity, always be midnight for me. So how was it possible that the sun was rising now in the middle of my midnight? I have that exact same quote pulled out. Do you really? (laughs) (laughs) Out of 658 pages, we both thought this was a bullshit quote. And I'm just looking at the the quotes I have around that, too. Uh, The very next one I have him when he's trying to give Bella a ride to Seattle. But can your truck make it there on one tank of gas? I don't see how that's any of your business, she grumbled. Her heart was beating faster again, her breath coming more quickly. I thought the teasing should put her at ease, but maybe I was frightening her again. The wasting of finite resources is everybody's business. My response sounded normal and casual to me, but I couldn't tell if she heard it the same way. I mean, this this guy is fucking insufferable. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, fawning over someone that would say that to you (laughs) no no i can't that's why this book is is such a fucking problem man (laughs) (laughs) my notes are basically just like a (laughs) but it's like that quote you just pulled out then we got that bit of dialogue just so uh, oh my god that's that's another thing listeners you, you may notice something you may notice that last episode i cursed a whole lot less because i i've i found that i have a vocal tick when I get very frustrated or excited about something, I start to curse. So you notice that very, very much in Blood Rain. <laughs> um, oh, my God. I'm just realizing, like, I won't keep doing this. The next three passages I pulled out are all variations of him saying, you better stay away from me. Her heart beat faster. You say that a lot. Yeah. Just because you're not listening to me. It's just again and again, like. I'm bad. I'm bad news, little chicky D. You know, and then he pops the, the collar on his leather jacket and does like a James Dean pose. Stay away from me, girl. Dude, he's he's got some some really weird Kaneki energy. <laughs> Jesus. 
<laughs> Wait, let's get out of this pre-plot. This shit okay. sucks. I... <laughs> um, one one last thing about the pre-plot. Stephanie Meyer does something interesting in the pre-plot. Instead of them actually having a relationship, she just have has them play twenty questions for like three chapters. Like, what's your favorite color? Where do you want a vacation one day? What would you do if you weren't going to do this? Uh, what are you going to do after high school? Where would you love to go to college? It was just, she put a dating website questionnaire in a book and just had them answer them. It's even worse than that because even sometimes with like, I don't know, like I've been on dating apps in, in my life and it's like, you get some of that, but you also get like, what are your politics? What are your views on like the afterlife? It's literally like, so, Bella, cats or dogs? Like, f- oh, my God, this is the most boring first date in the universe, and it somehow lasts for days. Yeah. Hey, Bella. It's several chapters. What's your favorite I number? I couldn't take it. You like four? Oh, my God. He literally like asked her too. favorite color. Yeah. What's your favorite color? I, I did feel kind of validated on that one, though, because she said brown, and that's my favorite color. And whenever I tell somebody that, they look at me like I'm a sociopath, and she but- justifies it. By by saying it's the color of his fucking eyes today? Yeah, no, I know. I saw. Well, no, it's like it's warm. It's earth tones, you know? It's, it's nice. Anyway. If you, no, she actually says at one point, if you were to ask me tomorrow when you aren't uh, full, it would be black because that would be the color of your eyes. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I, I like just, black too. He, he brings her home before we get into plot and he says something that I would like to read one more time. And this, uh, I, I think, will be my last reading segment because I have a weird insecurity about my reading voice. Um, She's upset because her dad, Charlie is going to be home soon. And Charlie is a fucking angel. I love him in the movies and the books. Don't care. Charlie is fucking awesome. No one, no one ever touched Charlie. Uh, She asks why, like what time it is because Charlie's on the way home. Uh, Edward doesn't even look at a watch. He says, it's twilight. I said, the time when vampires came out to play, when we never had to fear that a shifting cloud might cause us trouble, when we could enjoy the last remnants of light in the sky without worrying that we would be exposed. I looked down to find her staring curiously at me, hearing more in my tone than just the words I'd spoken. It's the safest time of day for us, I explained, the easiest time, but also the saddest in a way, the end of another day, the return of the night, end quote. So many years of night, I tried to shake off the heaviness in my voice. Quote, darkness is so predictable, don't you think? End quote. Fuck you, dude. One, you said the name of the series. <laughs> I was going to say, and then Bella raised a finger as a realization dawned. Hey, that's the name of the book. Yeah. Hey, isn't that my book? I called mine Twilight. <laughs> Ugh. It's just, it's, there's just so much self-hatred and it's never quite completely explained Mm, mm -hmm. like there's a whole like i'm a predator right i'm bad for you stuff like this but before bella shows up edward's just edward like there's no i'm gonna murder everyone in this classroom it's i have been going to school for years i've been changing identities we all live together yes we've made some mistakes stuff like that but we're all good and then Bella throws the monkey in the wrench, and all of a sudden, he is... It's not character progression. It's shifting without a clutch. And it blows my fucking mind. 
But let's get yeah. into... Well, I guess that is the one thing I wanted to praise. Like, it's hard to imagine someone coming to this book and not knowing what it is. But say you were in that camp, you do have, like... I was trying to read it like someone who had no knowledge of this. I had so little knowledge. And it is a slow reveal of what he is, like the first couple of chapters. And you get like little hints. And I think it is like a cool, like gradual reveal of like, what's going on with this guy? Like, what is he? He's got these like telepathic abilities. And then the culmination of like, I was a vampire, you know. But I, I mean, it was like knowing that well it's done. from his perspective. Shouldn't you already know that? Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, again, I keep talking about like how there's different possible like potential novels here that could be something on their own if they were yeah one is twilight disentangled with yeah they were disentangled from the other shit because like the thing about the predator right i kind of like the it's it's in the sparkle scene you know when he reveals himself fully for the first time oh now we're getting into some plot stuff let's do it well so we're, we're right there at the cusp right i'm the world's best predator aren't i i made no attempt to hide the bitterness in my voice now Everything about me invites you in. My voice, my face, even my smell. It was all so much overkill. What was the point of my charms and lures? I was no rooted flytrap, waiting for prey to land inside my mouth. Why couldn't I have been as repulsive on the outside as I was on the inside? As if I need any of that. I like that idea. I like exploring, you know, um, I like exploring the, the predator that lures you in. But... Again, like that's the exploration of that's the book about like delving into the psychology of a monster. Well, so that's that's kind of what I was going to ask. Like, do you think I mean, I think this so I, I have to get your perspective on this as well. Do you think he would be better if he was not a vegetarian, quote unquote, because I do. Yes, it would just it would have to be a very different book. If the Cullens fed on people and suddenly Edward fell in love with prey. Mm. I would be intrigued. If he's constantly fighting his, his, not only his instincts, but also what he has been doing forever, like he is, he is holding back from eating his food. He has fallen in love with his food. In this case, he's been a vegetarian for, we have to assume, decades. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he has this conflict. But if, if they traveled to different cities and stuff and took care of like vagrants or criminals or something like that, using some sort of weird, you know, plot mechanism to explain their feeding habits on humans. Well, he does that with his own experience, right? He says like, oh, I only. Right. I'm basically like doing the death note thing, like someone who's going to or like the minority report thing, pre-crime, right. you know, I'm getting you before you. Man, and I f- carnage. Uh, we'll get into that in a second with the the plot stuff. But I just I feel like I would buy the romance more and his like self-deprecating, self-effacing, I hate everything about me as a predator thing if he was actually still a predator on humans. You'd also have some actual like real external conflict, right? Yeah. In this case, Bella's like, oh, you kill mountain lions and stuff, and yes, you crave my blood, but you don't drink my blood the the conflict there's not enough weight there i want more there's no weight i want more weight like for all of the beating himself up and like the i'm a predator thing we don't see that except in flashbacks and even then Mm -hmm. we barely see it right that's another that's something that um just a general writing thing through the entire book all of his flashbacks are absolute dog shit. Like ha- there's no there's no space in between them half the time. 
Half the time it's right. just in his brain and then out of his brain. And it, the, the, there's no separating the present from the past. I think it was like some sort of weird artistic choice she was going for because he's a telepath that I just, I didn't yeah. dig. And it just, it all that just kind of blurred together. It does. And it's, it, it's sad because it was like, those were the few moments where I actually kind of got invested because we were actually exploring something interesting, right? Yeah. If he's a monster, I want to see him be a monster. That's the thing. The book wants it both ways constantly, right? She wants us to believe he's a monster, and we've got all this wrangling with that, but then she constantly undercuts that by, oh, but he's not actually that much of a monster. Like, he doesn't, he only feeds on, like, bears and stuff, you know? And even when he did it on humans, they were, like, they were murderers and, like, child, like, they were predators themselves. So it was all justified. She never, like, gives us full monster. And then the other side of that, it's like, she doesn't shy away from like the darker aspects to this. She confronts the fact that he's, you know, decades beyond her in age, but then still wants us to like say, well, that's all right, because now you're just like a, a perfect boyfriend. And neither one works because of no. all of the baggage there, no, it, you know? There is one moment that I think was well done. It's when uh, Edward brings Bella home. So we're, we're getting into plot now. Uh, Edward brings Bella back to the Cullenses and they look at Carlisle's wall of all mm. of like his the the map of London in 1640 and going through and there's a painting of him with uh, vampire elders that he ran into and it's just a blood orgy just a massacre mm. and Carlisle's painted in the back still in that painting of this this massacre of innocence that gives you something yeah like that puts weight to a character who through the entire book is this compassionate loving gentle restrained willful person but you know in the past he saw and did some shit right and has grown beyond it where edward we don't see that yeah we don't I would read the book of fucking Carlisle in the 1830s trying to come to grasp with his own empathy while still feeding on people. Like, that's the kind of monster story I want to read. I, I want to read a story about a monster who falls in love with humanity or falls in love with whatever. Where in this, we have someone who just thinks he's a monster. And I, I just, I just. Mm. But, you know, we feel a certain way about that. We've talked a lot about Edward's psychology. I kind of want to know the psychology of the Twilight fan, because the thing about reading on a Kindle is when, like, multiple readers underline a certain passage, like, that shows up for me. Uh So I got to see, like, what other readers enjoyed or thought was, I don't know, important. My head is resting on my microphone right now. So it's just like a sort of bon voyage to the pre-plot. Let's just consider this for a moment. I think the first one of these I saw, her scent hit me like a battering ram, like an exploding grenade. There was no image violent enough to encompass the force of what happened to me in that moment. Instantly, I was transformed. I was nothing close to the human I'd once been. No trace of the shreds of humanity I'd managed to cloak myself in over the years remained. I was a predator. She was my prey. There was nothing else in the whole world but that truth. And my note on that is just, is this what women want? Yeah, apparently. Because like, there are a couple passages like that that are underlined, and 
I, is this my problem? Because <laughs> some of them are like, "Ooh, yeah, I want to be pursued," but then some of them are like, "Oh, it's getting like darker and like more graphic here." Just go. But they're just eating it up. <laughs> I'm just gonna go back 15, 20 years and talk to talk to younger Bo and be like, "Dude, be creepy." Yes. Get outside that window. Yeah. Make, Watch make they love it. Look. Apparently, according to according to Goodreads reviews, Amazon reviews and Kindle, they love it when you look at them like they're food. It can't just be that, though. You also have to have a way with words because one other final underlined portion. Sure. That the other readers just seem to love. And so the lion fell in love with the lamb, I whispered. Her eyes were so open and accessible for one second, and then she flushed again and looked down. She steadied her breath for a moment and her impish smile returned. What a stupid lamb, she teased, stretching out the joke. What a sick, masochistic lion, I countered. So that's not just underlined because of the writing, that's underlined because it's in the movie. Is that why? Those exact lines, that exact moment. Uh, they're so good, how could you just not? Yeah, I mean, the, writing is, the, film? the writing is perfect. All right, let's... let's uh, I, we, we, we've, already, we've already given it too much attention. God. Um, yeah. On, on to the plot. So starting with basically Edward shining, shimmering, splendid, a whole new world. Edward shows her what he is. He walks into the sunlight with her, shows that he is this diamond-skinned, beautiful thing. Fuck this. This is what I'm talking about. This, this is it, more so than any other thing. The way he builds up to this, the way Meyer builds up to this. He's going to walk into the sunlight and become this inhuman, grotesque creature, right? Yes. And if, like, he turned into the fucking swamp thing or something, like, okay, now we're dealing with something real. But no, he's just like this gorgeous, sparkling angel. Yeah. He, he basically becomes a, a diamond-encrusted, perfect man. And it's not like fucking Shrek saying, like, you know what? I like you better as an ogre. You're, just, you're still beautiful to me. Like... Because for a second, it's like, is Bella just like, she's overwhelmed with her love and she just sees past it to his true beauty? But no, the way it's described, like, no, it's really just, it's not a thing. He's just bright. Yeah, he is, he literally, like, he is bejeweled. He is a crystalline, perfect version of a masculine figure. So fucking stupid. Yeah, dumb. So dumb. But <laughs> he tells her, uh, Rosalie, his sister, is super pissed off about it. Everybody else is fine. He invites her over to their house and they in decide to go to a the Cullens decide to go play baseball because a storm a thunderstorm is coming because the only time they can play baseball is when a thunderstorm is coming because they hit the ball so hard. Yeah. <sighs> okay. All right. The, do, the do baseball you, thing, right? Do you have anything about the baseball thing? The one thing I guess I have to say is that is dumb as hell. But <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, maybe it's just like this fun little quirk of the <laughs> Carlisle, of the Cullen. <laughs> it was the, the end of the chapter, Edward going, but it's the American pastime. <laughs> uh. um, so, okay. so fucking stupid. I accept it as like this little quirk. Of the Cullens. Fine, you know, give them some little fun characteristic and set them apart from other vampires, even though they're already plenty set apart, being the vegetarians that they are. It's the fact that the three other vampires approach them 
and want to play. We heard the, we heard the game going. <laughs> yeah, we want to we want to play too. Apparently, it's a fucking vampire <laughs> thing. They all play baseball. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> that is the dumbest shit in the entire book, and it's a book full of dumb shit. They could choose any other sport. Lawn darts. I can't think of like a a less vampiric sport than fucking baseball. You know, you just think you think like vampirism. There's something like primal and like visceral about it. So it's not even like a contact sport. We're not even getting like I was gonna into say like there's like a or, there's like a subconscious violence to it, like a subconscious physicality to it. Yeah, baseball's so goddamn polite. Like everyone's just like, all right, stay on the, the line here and go to your base and I'll stay there and wait for your turn. And you know, I want to see him fucking play ice hockey. I want to see him curling. Oh, all right. Or just like, I don't know, some like Greco-Roman wrestling or some shit, Polo. right? Like <laughs> <laughs> Golf. We can just keep going. Yeah, golf. Uh ultimate frisbee. <laughs> Whatever, anything. <laughs> Anything except for baseball. And my favorite thing was the fact that they were playing this game and Edward convinces Rosalie to play with them because Rosalie doesn't want to be around Bella at all mm-hmm. for reasons. Rosalie chooses Emmett, the strongest, and Jasper to be on her team. Why not choose the person who can see the future? Like putting Alice and Edward together on anything, they gonna win. She sees the future. He reads her mind to see the future. So then he can see the future, too. Um, you just you, I got nothing. You don't fuck with that pair. It, it was just a, it was a strange choice. Now, now you just got me thinking like Alice. We basically got the back to the future part two thing here. Like what? Gray's sports almanac. Like what? Why are we not taking advantage of that? So another little weird trivia fact about Alice and and one of the reasons why. Oh, oh so. We're getting into the plot here. Um, you you notice that they couldn't, the vampires couldn't go to certain areas of town, right? The treaty. Yeah. So my question was, why couldn't Alice see that the werewolves still existed? Werewolves? Yeah. Welcome to the party, bud. What? Yeah. There's vampires, so there must be werewolves. Is there any hint in the book that they are werewolves? I guess I kind of kind of for it, but not. Um, it's okay. it's more of like uh, Jacob's dad, Billy, kind of has like a a small idea. Do the Cullens know that they're werewolves? The Cullens don't. The Cullens just know that the treaty was made with the werewolves. So they know they made a treaty with werewolves. Yeah, and the Qualut people. So they got dirt on them too. Why is this just like such a one way treaty? Uh, because the Qualut can exist outside of. Like they can they can walk around. They don't have to change. I just mean like the whole the threat, like the sword of Damocles hanging over everyone's head is like, like how well, how can the Cullens prove it? Just like like we're gonna make you stay outside during the full moon. Everyone's gonna like we're gonna bring the villagers to your place next full moon. Well, they're in they're in forks. I don't know if you can bring villagers. <laughs> the the treaty's the treaty's not been in place for that long, man. America's never really had villagers, you know. I've I've been <laughs> I've been focalizing through Edward for too long. I'm I'm looking at this like it's a turn of the century. I was century. gonna say you've been looking at it like it's fucking Spanish flu all over again. <laughs> but no, I mean you could equally like threaten them, right? 
with with outing them as what they are? I I don't know. I mean, my my kind Just, of my okay. my perception of it is the fact that werewolves turn like they they turn by choice. Is that just a twilight thing? I think so. I think so. I think it's more active during the full moon, but they still choose to turn. It's also kind of triggered by emotional like activity and stuff like that. I'd I'd really have to go into it. Okay. You don't, you don't have to. Um, my wife, Kaylin, I asked her why Alice couldn't see that werewolves were still around because they were assuming that the Qualut people and Billy Black and Jacob Black were basically just people. They were they were honoring the treaty out of politeness. Mm-hmm. So why couldn't Alice see that there were still werewolves? Apparently, werewolves don't have the same amount of chromosomes as human beings or vampires, <sighs> so Alice it. can't see their future. Sure. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck sure. this. Fuck this book. So I guess vampires retain their chromosomes when they switch over. I guess. I mean, the way it sounds is the venom is, it kind of feels like it's the same sort, like a, like a viral thing. Right. Because when, uh, <laughs> nah, fuck it. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters in this book. Um, when Bella, like when James's teeth puncture Bella's hand in the end fight yeah. and the venom gets into right. her system, they're like, it's mm-hmm. either going to kill her or turn her. You have to do something. You have to suck the venom out of her or she's going to turn. So it it seems to me like it's this, like, they call it venom. And it seems to function kind of like a venom or a, a disease that that slowly changes the the person. And even even Edward says, like, Carlisle says that it's better when the blood is weak. Mm. Like, the change is easier when the blood is weak. Like, what is happening on, like, a physical level? Because now, like, all of the abilities are gained when you become a vampire, right? But I guess, is it just sort of amplification of pre-existing human abilities at the that's, end of the day? I that's guess so. what the assumption is based on Edward's knowledge and Carlyle's knowledge. Like, when you turn, the special ability you get, like Edward's, uh, right, right, Edward's right, right. telepathy and Alice's precognition. Apparently, we even find out that Alice had visions before she was a vampire. Right. Um, because of the very contrived connection between her and James that, oh my God, fuck off. Yeah. I don't need that. I don't need that at all. Just this random trio. They do the baseball game. They do the, yeah. they meet the trio of Laurent, Victoria, and James. Laurent has, has a little bit of riz. Like he's, he's polite and he's trying to, one, he wants to get in Rosalie's pants, but. Mm-hmm. He is genuinely trying to make friends and survive. Yeah. Where Edward sees that Victoria and James are not like that. Victoria is mm-hmm. jonesing for another hit, and James is just watching everything. Come to find out, James is a tracker. He gets a, a hit of Bella's aroma. Uh, actually, this was a really cool thing, I thought. Jasper shut down their presence. Yeah. Like, that was a really cool, like, I'm not giving Stephanie Meyer a lot for this book, but there are a few moments that are genuinely kind of cool. I agree. And Jasper turning all of them, like, inconsequential was a really yeah. cool moment. Uh, but the wind picks up, hits Bella's hair, hits James in the face, and James finds a new target. Yeah. And even, I mean, I agree with you. Actually, from here on to the end of the book, 
I think my positive comments will outweigh the negative ones because this is a genuinely tense scene. Like, them trying to hide Bella, even though she's in plain view, and, like, just influence this new trio of, like, not noticing her. And just the idea of, it's not even the aroma that sets James off. It's the fact that Edward and the others step in and defend her. Just Edward. And that just, like... Just Ed- Edward jumps in front of her, and James is like, you can't, why would you step in front of a prey like that? Now I have a challenge. Well, I guess he, yeah, I just mean, he steps in front physically, but James is able to intuit that, like, oh, they're all ready to defend her. Oh, and right, right, right. I've yeah, got this yeah, other yeah, yeah, instinctual, yeah. like, desire for, I'm looking for a, a great epic battle. That's even, this is even better. This is going to be the best hunt of my life, sort of thing. Right. Let's see if I can outsmart all of you collectively. Yeah. And that's what really does it. Um, and I thought that was smart. I thought that was interesting. So I have a, I have a small theory since we're getting to, to end game. Pre-plot was garbage. We, I think we can both agree that. Mm-hmm. Post-plot, I am relatively certain, was written and edited after the movie came out. Okay. That's why it feels so tense and cinematic. Ah. Because I don't, I don't think Bella sees... I think Bella sees Jasper and Emmett drag old boy out of the room, just like Edward does. Because Edward could have seen them beat the fuck out of uh, James through their eyes, because he can read their minds. But we don't get that. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't get the ending of James. We just know that it happens off screen. Nothing else has happened off screen, really. Right. Why, why would they do that if Stephanie Meyer was just like, well, this is how they sell in the movies, so fan service. Let's just keep uh, it that way. Got it. And that's why the baseball, mm. the baseball game seems so kind of contrived. Well, it's all, yeah. I mean, so it's all contrived. Like I said, I had positive comments, and that's in spite of the fact that, like we talked about, there's no like fundamental core conflict in this book other than Edward wrestling with his own self-identity and, and emotions, right? Until James shows up. There's no real up. external conflict. But even then, it's not, nothing derived from what's transpired thus far. It's this random-ass tacked-on event yeah. at the very end of the book. It's not satisfying because there's no weight behind it. It just comes out of nowhere, and it's resolved almost as quickly in just a span of, like, five chapters or so. I think the thing that's frustrating and, is they do mention it earlier on. Like, Alice... They mention, like, we... Alice sees we visitors this, coming yeah. in the next two right. weeks or something, and they just show up a full week early... Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I recognize that, but it's still just, to me, that seemed like I've written this conflict, and now in the editing phase, like, I'm thinking myself, like, through Stephanie Meyer, and I might be wrong, but now I'm going to go back and just, like, drop a couple hints early on to make it look like I knew what I was doing the whole time. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how it felt I'm gonna to leave, me. I'm going to leave breadcrumbs for my, right. for my climax. But it doesn't feel like it naturally evolves from anything. It's just, like, after the fact, like, let me put a couple pieces in place here to hint at what's about to come. Because it really comes out of nowhere. I just really want to say real fast, Breadcrumbs for My Climax is a Hansel and Gretel porno title. I'm very happy with that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I don't even want to know what the witch reaches in to feel around to see if Hansel's getting thick enough in that story. No, we're not going to even, uh, <laughs> we don't even explore have, that idea. We don't even have to keep that in. <laughs> we don't have to keep this in the episode. I just wanted to say Bre- Breadcrumbs for My Climax is a Hansel and Gretel porno title. But, it, I mean, we're keeping it in, and it's also the name of the episode, right? <laughs> sure. 
That's what we're, that's the new Patreon tier. Yeah. Breadcrumbs for my climax. <laughs> Give us some more breadcrumbs for our climax here. Um, that and just the additional. <laughs> oh, actually, James and Alice have this like pre-existing connection from way back when she, before she got turned, that was so fucking dumb. Because it's like, it's bad enough to like have this random ass encounter but then like after the fact to try and justify it like no actually there's a deeper connection but it's still everything about it is random and how it yeah transpires he, he wasn't even the one that turned her he just bad. found her yeah okay but just so, having any sort of pre-existing connection there, so just I, like, no, I do i want to come back to this in just a second i just want to for yeah. for listeners that have not read seen read or seen anything alice realizes that james is not going to stop between her and Edward's telepathy, they realize that James is going to hunt Bella to the ends of the earth. So they all decide to split up in different directions. They know that James will follow um, Edward and Emmett because Edward is Bella's boy and Emmett is the strongest of them. Mm -hmm. So Edward and Emmett stay together. Uh, they send Bella off. Bella has to like fucking manipulate the shit and gaslight her dad um, yeah. and go back to Phoenix where she's from. And they run James on this crazy car chase that I uh, it would probably be really cinematic if you saw it on screen. I actually thought this is my favorite chapter in the book. I mean, we have the sort of the foot race. Yeah. And then like James hops a plane unexpectedly, but they all end up in Phoenix. But you got like the Cullens coming off the plane and like Edward racing like, OK, I got to find like a fast ride. And like this chapter, the chapter race. Yeah. Um, I think is really good. Because it's the, the tension of this race against time. Bella's been kidnapped by James. He's got her. Alice failed to protect her because they just didn't see the, you know, like James baited Bella basically thinking like, oh, I've got your mom here. Instead, like he just got her videos. childhood videos. Yeah. Which is, which is actually a really cool thing. Like that, that's not. Oh yeah. I think not, you know, in real life, but as like a story development aspect, like a hunter being smart enough to be like, I'm going to lead you here by using your actual mother's voice from home videos. And it's terrifying. And you get like when Edward watches the video, cause James tapes the whole thing yeah. for his own sick pleasure. And also to, to taunt uh, Edward and later on, you get the scene of like Bella, like thinking she's stumbling in on her mom. And then like the slow realization of, Oh my God, these are all just like screens. Like these are videos playing. And that's a very frightening idea to like, yeah. feel like you're tracking a human and just walk into this room and to see what it is and see like video screens like oh my god and then just to know she's about to be tortured there's that but just like them piling into these cars this like car outfitted with nos this like you know decked out street racer you have a chapter of fast and the furious and it's well written i mean you've got like them like racing through traffic and in the midst of that you've got alice's visions of the future flooding in and then like perceived yeah. by edward it is and a very good chapter change yeah. Every time he's like looking at like, what if I took this SUV? What if we got off there? And he's gets like, they get this inundation of possible futures based on all these decisions. And it's racing by the chapter moves. And yeah, it's like, finally, we're, we're moving here. So things are happening. And they like, you know, they like cut this car off and they all come out and the driver gets out all angry. And they like flip their little street racer into the and cause like this massive pile up, get in a different car to like throw the cops off their trail. There's a lot so, more happens in this one chapter. Than the rest than of the, the book. Entire yeah. rest of the book. Yeah. And it's an awesome chapter. And I'm just like, you know, we have a lot of issues with Myers writing, but for what it is, there's a lot of good, I mean, there's a lot of bad. We've highlighted the bad turns of phrase. There are some good ones. There's, yeah. she has the capability to really explore 
the psyche of someone, right? We're seeing that. I think like, that's the unfortunate she's a talented part. writer. Like with this yeah. chapter especially, like it showcases just it showcases the fact that she is actually probably a good writer. I think there's a lot of good writing in this book. To me, this is this book is like you need a better editor. You need someone to tell you no. <laughs> you don't get to do the Stephen King thing. Like yeah. just like sure, write until you just feel like you've explored, like you gotten all the flavor out of this gum. Like well, that, no, that's, somebody's to put their foot down and be like, that's enough. This is two that's books. Enough. This is two books. Like Jeff Rovin also needed someone to tell him no. Jeff Rovin needed someone to say, do more of the Scorpion stuff that's really cool and like character building and really nice. And Stephanie Meyer needed someone to be like, do what this is. This chapter that's fast paced and introspective and does really cool things with both time and perspective. Like that's really, really cool. This could have been like a really interesting little novella, right? Yeah. If like you dealt with some, if you decided what you wanted it to be or like how you want us to feel about Edward, if you really sorted that out and then like just cut the fat and like everything in the pre-plot could be a single chapter, maybe two. I, I was going to say, know? you could have you could have a chapter of the first day of school that ends with the van accident, and then yeah. the second chapter is him following her to that town. I don't need 80 to 100 pages of him sitting in her bedroom watching her sleep. Oh my god, just so much. Like, there's entire chapters of touching. It's like the, the amount of time it took Frodo to take the ring to goddamn Mordor is the time it takes, like, Edward to just go from, like, the tips of her fingers to her elbow. And, no, she touches him first. Like it, it yeah, takes that long right. for her to touch his wrist and be like, "Oh God, the heat! I have to move my hand away, or she's gonna think I'm a monster." Right? No, she's touching him. I don't know. She, I she just thinks she has bad circulation, out. bud. Yeah. But like you said, the the James kidnapping thing, all that stuff. Edward, Emmett, Jasper all show up to help save Bella. Bella is fucked up. Uh, I think four broken yeah. ribs, a broken leg, both bones, and a pretty major concussion and a, a slash in her head that she's bleeding. And he also he also bites her hand to get venom into her blood system. Mm-hmm. And that leads to... James is a nasty one. James is a nasty one. But that, that leads to... The thing that we all knew was going to happen, it was Edward versus himself. It was Edward's love for Bella versus Edward's instincts as a predator. And we all know who's going to win. Actually, I thought it would be really interesting if he just drained her dry. Like, I would would be very curious to see how that story would go. Like, how that would affect him as a monster. But it doesn't happen. He gets the venom out. Even Carlisle, the most compassionate and willful of them, is like, Edward, you cannot do this. It is impossible for a vampire to let go after drinking this much blood that they crave. Mm-hmm. But he does it because of love or something. And then she wakes up and he's like, I need to leave you. But she's like, no, you'll never leave me. Please don't leave me. Blah, blah, blah. They go to prom together. Fiend. I will say... The internal monologue here is an interesting one because he keeps telling her, I'll be with you forever. And then every time after he ends his sentence, you get the italics like, until I have enough strength to leave. Or until you're better. Until you're better. Whatever it is, there's always like an additional like um, qualification of that. 
right? Qualifier. Mm-hmm. And just like as a just section of fiction, I like this focalization through this character that is telling a, their beloved everything they want to hear and then qualifying it internally. Yeah. You know, it's it kind of just like hits you hard a little bit. Like, oh my God, I feel for Bella because she's hearing like, I'll be with you forever and not hearing like the terms and conditions, small print at the bottom of the form. Until the end of the like book. Rattling off. Where he stops yeah. the italics. Mm. At the end of the book, he just says, I'll be with you forever. And there's no internal monologue. He just decides. Yeah, that I think that's a nice progression, right? It's a progression in less than a day. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's <laughs> less than five minutes. But see, that's the thing. Like, if this book, if it were a streamlined novel or a novella, right, then that would hit because it would fit with the the timeline of events, the pace of events. But the fact right. that it's so front heavy that like these, anything else that happens at a quick pace seems like lightning fast because we've taken so much time to explore like the events of a single day up until now. Right. Okay. So because of that, I just want to read you real fast. I, I said I was going to be done reading, but this has to be done because of what you just said. I'm reading you the last lines of the book. Okay. Bella, I hoped she could hear the devotion in my voice. I will stay with you in italics. As long as I can, as long as it's allowed, as long as it doesn't hurt you until the sign comes, until it's impossible for me to ignore. Quote, isn't that enough? She smiled, but she was unappeased. Quote, enough for now. End quote. Bella didn't realize that now was all we had. My breath came out as a groan. Her fingertips brushed along the edge of my jaw. Quote, look, she said. I love you more than everything else in the world combined. Isn't that enough? Sigh. And then I could smile, a genuine smile. Quote, yes, it is enough, I promised. Enough for forever. This time I spoke of the real forever, my eternal forever. As the night finally overcame the end of the day, I leaned forward again and kissed the warm skin of her throat. That's less than like 50 words. Going from I will leave you because it is better for you to I am going to turn you. Sometimes these revelations come hot and heavy. You know, the eternity is right here now. Fucking Ram Das over here, Stephanie Meyer, just hitting us with uh, enlightenment. Another connection back to Buddhism, I guess, right? Just this moment here and now. Where are you now? Feel your body. Feel the emotions you feel now. Don't worry about the events that haven't transpired yet. We're, we don't want to be an Alice. We want to be an Edward. We want to live here and now. I definitely want to be an Alice. No, yeah. I mean, I'm Team Alice, but aside from that, I don't know Jacob, but uh, put me on Team Jacob because at least he is um, the same age. Jacob? No, he's uh, like a year younger. He's, I think he's like, four, well, he's like, that's fine. He's like 14, 15. He can't drive because oh. his dad drives him around. That's true. Uh, but I, I love the fact that Jacob has, and I quote, a mind you could just curl up in. According to Edward, which I was like, what the fuck does that mean, my man? Oh, I don't even want to know. So I, I think I think we've covered pre and post plot. I'm just going to ask you before uh, before we start closing up a little bit. Were there any characters or any instances that you were genuinely surprised to fall in love with? Alice. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, um, for the longest time, the Cullens were just this, uh, aside from Edward, this sort of amorphous blob. You know, I didn't care enough, and I didn't get enough. Like, you get their individual characteristics, but they're still just, like, part of the mass of noise. There's so much noise through that pre-plot 
portion of the book, everyone's thoughts, all these side conversations that they kind of got lost in that, except for Alice. She's the one that stood out. She's the one that had genuinely interesting powers and then also like just a lovable personality, right? Yeah. And the fact that I like the idea of I can um I can predict my friendship with this girl. And so I'm just like antsy, like introduce me to her. Like yeah. when are you gonna Introduce me to her. Yeah, she she did the same thing with her relationship to Jasper, apparently. Like, she had seen decades with him, lifetimes with him, and so as soon as she met him, she just made him hers. But she doesn't force anything. She just goes with it, but she wants it to happen fast. She's adorable. I love I love her. Carlisle as well, for me. Like, in the movies, Carlisle and Alice are my favorites, um, along with Charlie, played by... Um, I don't remember, but he has a beautiful mustache. Um, the one that surprised me, I already loved Alice and Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Emmett. Okay. Emmett is this lovable jock who just wants to keep everyone level. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he is just, he's just a big bear of a dude who just doesn't want people to fight. I'll calm everybody down. I'll do this in, my experience with Emmett in the movies is he is just a big dumb idiot. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't he, remember. He, he's know. he's just a body. Where in this, like, I got personality from him. I liked it. He was he was a fine presence. I guess he's just it's that kind of gentle giant trope. And sure, he was a perfectly likable character. I guess for Alice, it's the one character. I'm the only character because I'm at, I'm at the end of this book now. Yeah. And I have no interest in seeing what happens next. No. I don't care. I don't care where the story... I mean, it's like, I guess that's good, right? Like, she wrapped it up well enough where like, oh, we can just end it here. And that's fine. That is the tale of Edward and Bella. But you know there's more coming. And the fact that there's not even the hint of like, what is... I guess there's like the hint of the sort of Jacob conflict, right? Like, oh, is he a potential rival at the end? That's about it. And there's like some, uh, like, yeah, there's this treaty thing and okay, fine. But n- nothing really to like make me want to read the next book in the series. But honestly, like if I don't think there is one, there's not just like a, a side book no. about Alice, right? That's the one I thing that the like if you told me. out of that book. That's the thing. That's the one thing like I have no intention, not sourcing this one. I just, there, there it is. Um, that's the one thing you could tell me like, oh, maybe I would come back for that because I like this character a lot, and there's a lot to do with her. I will also not be reading the other books. I will continue to watch the movies because I kind of enjoy them. Yeah, I don't think I even care to see the movie, like, properly. The character that I am confused and intrigued by the most, Alice and Carlisle are already on my list of awesome. Mm -hmm. Jasper. I do not care. Like, I care about Alice. I care about Carlisle. I don't care about Emmett, Rosalie, even Edward. Bella, Jacob, I, I don't, but mm-hmm. Jasper and Alice and Carlisle all intrigue me. In the books and in the movie, I think Jasper was a Confederate soldier. Like there are people, there, there are people in online forums who are like, Jasper is the most unforgivable person in this entire series because of this, like, because he was a Confederate soldier, all of this stuff. Huh. Like it, it gets it gets heated in in fandom, um, but in this one, we don't we don't hear that we don't see that in this book. We don't know 
any sort of factions or his history. We just know he's a little older and he has a lot of battle uh, experience. Mm-hmm. All we do know is that he loves Alice more than fucking anything. Mm-hmm. If something puts her in danger, he will put himself in front of it. Yeah. And that's, they didn't need, to, she didn't need to do that. Like, she could have just left Jasper as this, like, kind of recently vegetarian, hungry, uh, slightly conflicted and uh, threatening figure. Mm-hmm. Instead, he has this ridiculously strong connection that he is willing to suffer for constantly when we see him. And that's, it just makes me love Alice more. Like, the, the pair of him and Alice intrigues me. I would read a book about Alice and Jasper before I would read a book about any of the other characters. I wish the series was about Alice and Jasper. Yeah, I guess I just want to make it clear that you're saying all that. This isn't a Blood Rain, Uwe Boll situation. No. Like, we've done a lot of shitting on this book today, and there's a lot to shit on. And there's a lot of just ridiculous, absurd choices and ideas here. Buried in that are a lot of good ideas, some surprisingly good writing at times. Yeah. And um, I was invested in the last few chapters of this book. Like, when we, when we really kicked things off with pursuing James, and then, like I said, that the race chapter and everything around that, I was in. I, it was a page-turner. Yeah, I agree. For me. But uh, it just came too little too late. And like I said, I, I don't really... I don't care to know, but I kind of want to know. There are three books after this. Uh huh. What are they about? Is there like a two? Like, does, yeah. I, do I, things happen? I can give you a. I can give you a very brief rundown. And for those of you who don't want to know, um, I'm going to do this in two minutes. So, fast forward two minutes if you don't want spoilers for the entire Twilight series. Spoiler for me. I'm not going to find I'm, out. I'm for looking myself. at my timer. I'm <laughs> I'm waiting for the for the ten to drop. Okay. So, uh, Edward sticks with the whole like I need to leave Bella thing uh, to keep her safe and does Bella hangs out with Jacob a lot and leads him on finds out that there's werewolves and shit Uh, Bella starts trying to not kill herself but kind of kill herself because it's the only time she feels alive when Edward's not around you mean like she she goes cliff diving at one point where it's supposed to kill her and it almost does and she sees Edward like in the water and it's it's weird, man. Is she is she trying to hurt herself to the point where he would be forced to turn her to save her life? Or no, it's more of it's more of she just wants to feel something again. Edward is gone and she doesn't feel anything. She feels completely numb because she doesn't where have. Where did Edward, Edward go? go? He he left. Yeah, nowhere. Uh, Rome. At one point, he's going to actually kill himself. Um. Uh, uh, why, why? See, this is what we're not going to be able to do it in two minutes. Uh, you can't keep asking questions. Right, is, yeah, sorry. Maybe okay. Maybe five. Maybe five minutes. Well, just real quick. Is he leaving because of what we've seen thus far, where he wants to protect her by getting far yes. away from her? Okay. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm not reading these books because I, I couldn't deal with hundreds of pages of that shit. All right. Uh, that's that's just in the second book. He leaves and bails okay. and does all that. Um, and actually goes to Rome and he's going to walk out in front of a church and just like throw his shirt open and show that vampires exist. So they will kill him. Okay. You yeah. meet the elders that Carlisle used to hang out with. One of them's played by Michael Sheen. It's fucking awesome. Um, book three, it's just Jacob versus Edward. 
and Bella has to choose. She chooses Edward. And at the- versus is what? Are they fighting or just like they're fighting for Bella's attention? Is there physical altercations or like there, there are they- some like vampire versus werewolf like. It's more tension than anything else because the Cullens never actually go up against the Qualud people. Um, anyway, the whole thing ends. I'm not sure if it happens in books three or book three or book four. Edward proposes. And Bella says that he has to turn her after they get married. And he doesn't agree with that. Bella gets pregnant. She is pregnant with a half vampire that starts to eat her from the inside. A damn fear? I, it's, a, it's, it's fucking blood rain, baby. It's um, the origin story. Edward has to... I don't know if this happens in the book. I know it happens in the movie. Edward has to eat the baby out of her. Like, get the fuck out of here. I'm not. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, chew through Bella to get the baby out. Huh? And why? also turn Bella wait, 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 in wait, the wait, process. Wait, 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 wait. Why, why, why I d- that dude, method? I don't know. Because he's also... Again, two, two medical degrees. <laughs> yeah. He's, and his dad's a doctor. Uh, he, he's also, he also is turning her through the process. Sure, that would do it. Into a vampire because she's going to die if he's going to die if he doesn't. The entire uh, the the last movie on it, dude, Breaking Dawn Part Two is fucking epic. Half of the movie is this giant fight scene where everyone dies except for Edward and Bella. But come what? to but come to find out, it's all a vision from Alice. Fuck off. What are they fighting against? Uh, all of the like vampires that aren't vegetarians <laughs> okay. like do they team up with the werewolves to yeah to join for yeah, because edwards uh edward and bella's baby renesme renesme oh like a combination of renee of and mothers. esme yeah that a, just rolls off the tongue it's a great job <laughs> okay. uh apparently jacob imprints on the baby what does that mean it means that the baby is going to be jacob's love for the rest of his life what? What is an imprint? What does that mean? Um, like he you know, called dibs? Kind of. You know how uh, like, <laughs> um, like a, a puppy or a kitten will imprint on a human and see it as their mother? Yeah. Werewolves do that on their mates. But, so he... Uh, he uh, imprinted wait, wait, wait. on the baby. But how do you make something else? Like imprinting would be like from yourself like i see this thing as my mate but how do you force it to look at you that way you don't so it's gonna it's not set in stone he just like he feels this way about it um well also alice sees that they will grow old together and that jacob will eventually be uh like edward and bella's son-in-law sort of thing wait 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 wait, wait. he imprints on the baby yeah a baby a baby Man, it is some of the weirdest. How old? Is, how, old uh, how old is he on at this point? Seventeen. So I mean, honestly, the age difference is is way shorter than the one between Edward and Bella. I was about to say I'm back off of Team Jacob. <laughs> Fuck that shit. That's even worse. A baby, dude, and the CGI is some of the weirdest shit I've ever seen. Oh god, I can't even. I wasn't even. I, I did sort of like visualize for a second. Like, what does that look like as he's chewing through Bella to get to the baby? That's it's, gotta be. It's something. man. The end of I think it's Breaking Dawn Part One. The end of that is fucking rough stuff, man. 
But yeah, they they recruit all the other vampires that Carlisle's ever had a relationship with and stuff to help fight the the big bad boys and uh a lot of vampires like showcase their powers and werewolves fight and it's actually a really cool fight scene until you find out that it was dude when I saw someone cut off Carlisle's head I was like, oh, "Well, fuck this, I'm out." And then all of a sudden it's an Alish vision and I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." And how do they get around that? Like how do they prevent that from happening? Well, Alice touches Arrow. Arrow can... Who's Arrow? Uh, Arrow is Michael Sheen's character. Someone mentioned in this book, actually, who's one of the elders that Carlisle used to hang out with, who's been in okay. Rome for centuries. Uh, when he touches someone, he can see their entire history. So Alice sees this entire vision and then holds his hand. So he sees the entire vision of him and all of his people dying, and they just beat feet. They're like, well, I guess we're just not fucking with these people ever. Okay. So. Alice saves the day, effectively. Alice fucking kicks ass. More getting blue balled, I guess, right? Just, yep. It, this book just, I guess, encapsulates everything that's going to transpire, which is just a lot of flirting with potential climactic moments or, or you know, actual, like, narrative threads with stakes and then pulling back from that. Yeah, basically. You know? That and uh, just more... Wow, the the baby thing. That's um, both baby things. Everything with the baby. Wow, yeah, that's, it's a bust, that's man. a lot to take in. Um, you think if uh, this had been a male, like if Twilight had been penned by a male writer, there's he'd no have been canceled by now, right? There's no <laughs> way in hell that dude would be eviscerated, right? How do you get away with that? How does she get away? How is she getting away with this? <laughs> Everyone knows about this, right? Yeah. No, it's a like, pretty big deal. Yeah. Huh. You, right. ought to, you ought to see some of the reviews I read. I, I didn't want to bring them on here because they were all just either like, I love Edward and Bella forever, or the same, some of the same complaints that we had. But this is the end of no, our first annual November. What a ride. We're ending it with this garbage <laughs> fire. But we did have a beautiful gym in the middle of our month. A diamond in the rough. A diamond. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough. Neither so book ended by just duty. Duty. So before we end our November, we go to housekeeping. We talk about maybe what's coming up next month. I want to do the quickest of games. Let's do it. We're not even going to discuss this. I have a vampire bracket of every vampire we've discussed this month. And we're going to mm-hmm. see who you think or we think takes the top spot. Okay. I have my I have my number one and two seeds. So we'll see how this goes. You ready? Yeah. Laurent versus Rain. Rain. Dracula versus Emmett. Oh, this is Castlevania Dracula, so yeah. Emmett. Agreed one hundred percent. Uh Edward versus Billy Zane. Oh, Billy Zane. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right. Look, I don't have any deep-seated issues with just Billy Zane's whole thing. He's not, like, pushing the, the laws concerning... Oh, so you're going preference, not fight. I didn't really know what to do with this. <laughs> cool. I, I love this. Just keep, keep the energy that you're bringing. Just, yeah, um, sure. <laughs> okay. Alice versus Kagan. Alice. That would that would be Sir Benjamin Kingsley no, character. I, I know yeah, you don't. No, I, I know, know you had trouble with his name the first time. 
Uh, Somehow I remembered. Uh, Alice. Victoria versus Rosalie. I don't remember who Victoria is. Rosalie. Who's Victoria? Oh, right. The, the, red, yeah, the redhead survivalist with James. Yeah, Rosalie. Sure. All right. Vincent versus Esme. Vincent. Malice versus Jasper. Oh, I see that face. Malice. <laughs> really? Oh, no, wait. You're oh, a madman. Um, Malice, you know, Malice plays a mean. Does Jasper have any musical ability? Malice. Carlisle versus James. Carlisle. We've got Rain versus Emmett. Rain. Oof. We've got Billy Zane versus Alice. Alice. We've got Rosalie versus Vincent. Vincent. Man, your choices are fucking wild right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Malice versus Carlisle. Uh, Carlisle. I'm actually pretty. So our final four are yeah. Blood Rain, Alice, Vincent, and Carlisle. So we've got okay. Blood Rain versus Alice. Alice. And we've got Vincent versus Carlisle. Carlisle. Oh, no. Alice v. Carlisle. Oh, man. It, it had to come down to this, didn't it? I Alice, am of course. I keep yeah, saying it. Yeah, it's got to be. Team Alice. It's got to be Alice. I am Team Alice and Carlisle, and you brought them both to the finals for me, baby. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Jasper, yeah. So, Jasper you, was my number two seed. You know, I'm just realizing, so all of our final, most of our final vampires, the ones that came farthest along were the Twilight vampires. <laughs> Because, dude, they, they they do not fuck about. Like, I mean, they 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 showed up with the numbers, right? Yeah. Not brought, not to mention yeah. the fact that Dracula was a chump. Oh, God, so that's that's no vampire gang. Um, maybe next year we'll. Did we we didn't see a single decent vampire all month? <laughs> no, not a single good vampire. There weren't any. What it was the worst? The biggest bad in in blood in blood rain was Kagan. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, we both got bad ending Castlevania, so we saw shitty Dracula as opposed to... To Malice Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Twilight, there are no vampires. They're just... Not really. Um, They're just kind of shiny superheroes. Yeah. Shiny mutants, I think. They're more like X-Men than, than Avengers. Yeah, right. They're, they're X-Men with a, a certain thirst. And uh, yeah. So what are, what are we doing for December? Let's go ahead and give a little preview for all the folks. So. If I'm not mistaken, Brandon, you've never seen a Hallmark-style film. My, how the tables have turned. We The first leg of this odyssey that we set off on here on this here podcast was just show Bo a bunch of new stuff. But now I'm the one having all kinds of new life experiences. So Welcome to Twilight, Moving bud. on from Twilight, my first real delving into this. My first and, and last. I'm out. I'm back out forever. No italics. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> For now. Um and now I'm jumping into I think probably my first Hallmark movie. And it's not actually now, a Hallmark movie. It's a Netflix oh, it's Hallmark not. style movie. Okay. But it's one of those like But um, it's also a sequel of a beloved Netflix style Hallmark movie franchise called The Christmas Prince. And we are watching The Christmas Prince 3 hyphen a royal baby. Yeah, I feel like it'll just give me what I need to know. I'm just sure. Jump right it, in. Yeah, I, there's no reason for there to be a story. 
I've got my Ugg boots. I've got my pumpkin spice latte. I've just gotten the blonde highlights in my hair. I'm ready to just settle in. I'm just going to hang out with a big plate full of avocado toast. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, the whole time we're, I'm just, I'm already playing the, the Bo Burnham, a white woman's Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then our, that. our last episode of the year is going to be a brief retrospective. Also talking about what things we sourced this year for the first time that we enjoyed and would continue to source. Yeah. Either things that came out this year or that we just delved into the first time. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be, uh, we just, we, we earned a couple positive conversations here. And we really did just trudging through the muck. Uh, so we had our Castlevania and we're just going to celebrate 2023 because while we have explored a lot of bullshit, this was a hell of a year for artistic experiences. TV, movies, and video media, games. Yeah, a lot of good shit. Music, this year, so. books. It, there's been podcasts. Hello. Um, there has been a lot of really interesting stuff, and we would love to give you guys a little bit of a gift as well. Something that we enjoyed that, that we think you may enjoy as well. Um, yeah, so when you're there next to the fire and you're snuggy, you're like, maybe, uh, maybe try one of these recommendations out for size. Yeah, exactly. About it. Yeah, and it also gives us a chance to just Take a breather. <laughs> Take a breather and enjoy some things that don't break our souls. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Um, and then we'll be back right back to it. Right back to it in year. January, baby. <laughs> uh, housekeeping, fun stuff. As always, we are sourcenotfoundpod at gmail.com. Please, please, Twilight fans, come at us. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're right. Tell us what your vampire power would be. If you're telling us why we're wrong, uh, I'm ready. Justify that I need, baby. I that need baby those justifications. I, I, yeah. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> Maybe you read the books and we didn't, and you just need to tell us. Um, Man, I wonder which passages are highlighted in those. I'll never know. No, and I'm... Never know. Happily so. Uh, we are Source Not Found podcast. Uh, everywhere you could find those things. Facebook, Patreon, all of your favorite pod catchers. Leave us reviews, like, follow, subscribe, all that, all that good stuff. Uh, and then we are at Source Not Found Pod on Instagram as well. So come on by, comment, and say hi. I'm always around. Brandon's always around. We like seeing people. And as always, thank you so much to our Patreon shout-out tier. We love you guys so much. So much. Thankful for you this season. Thankful for you. We've got Susie Daggs. And Jago Spindell. Friendship. Uh, Brando, we got December coming up for Twitch, buddy. What, do you, what, what is Lejune Bug doing? Yeah, so on the other side of November, um, kind of just a little bit of cozy season. I think I'm going to really prioritize playing, finishing some games that I started and didn't finish this year, like Omicron the Nomad Soul. Um, I was doing a playthrough of that. Um, so maybe finish that up. Go back to Bomb Rush Cyberpunk. Got a little I heard bit really good one. things about that maybe, one. Uh, Oh man, the if you're a Jet Set Radio fan, it's the second coming. Um, and yeah, just maybe like settle down with some some favorite cozy experiences in these uh cold winter months. So Lejeune Bug, L E J U N E B U G. Link in the show notes. Perfect. And I know we're getting to that cozy cozy season. Warm up with some hot cocoa, some cookies, get those stockings hung by the fire with care. But don't ever forget to check your toilets for Freddy Krueger 
And please keep an eye out for clowns in those scary, scary white vans. Stay sparkly.